0: everyone, this is Joe. Warriors, come out to play yay.
1: What's up guys, it's Eric. Now, look what we have here before us. We've got the Saracens sitting right next to the Jones Street Boys. We've got the Moon Runners right by the Van Corland Rangers. Nobody is wasting nobody. That is a miracle. And miracles is the way things ought to be. We're going back. The Warriors are 27 miles from safety. It's the only choice we got. They're in a war zone called New York City. Wrist. Every gang wants to get them. Every cop wants to bust them. They have one way out. They have one chance. They have one night. The Warriors, rated R. Starts today at the Bruin Westwood, Mans Hollywood, and specially selected theaters and drive-ins. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee. The podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended one time and see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe?
0: Not too bad, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I uh on so today's Wednesday, on hot uh Sunday night at hockey, I hurt my knee. I I don't know. I'm it's oh, Yeah. I don't know it's I don't think it's like serious like I didn't like tear my ACL but I, th- I think I may have torn something a little bit so but it's feeling better and better each day I set like a, an employment with my orthopedic guy that I like a couple weeks out and I was I told myself because I was his first available one and I kind of just told myself you know if it gets worse I'll call and get like a, see any doctor they have but it feels better each day I'm going to take a couple weeks off from hockey for sure and hope that it's just like a minor thing but Oh man! But yeah, no. Other than that, things have been going well. You been watching any good?
0: Um, I watched. I told you the last time I was <laughs> watching the uh, Conjuring movies. I got couple with the third one, so yeah. I watched the second one over the weekend. I really enjoyed it. I, I these movies, like I like how they don't typically like they don't go for a senseless kills throughout. It's just like a it's a traditional horror from almost like The Exorcist, which is based nice. on exorcism. So it's, I really enjoyed the second one more than the first one. Nice. Um, we'll watching the third one this week. And I have been just following pretty much watching the NBA and NHL playoffs on and off. So,
1: yeah, I've been watching related because you mentioned the NHL playoffs. I rewatched The Natural the other day, future episode for sure, a baseball movie. Also rewatched uh, Shot Heard Around the World, uh, which is the HBO sports documentary on the Bobby Thompson home run in 1951, I think. Hadn't seen that in a while. Uh, very good. And as you can tell, that's how I'm getting through my Bruins heartache is by diving headfirst into (laughs) baseball stuff. And
0: well, I um, know Neston has been putting out the uh, what the four part series now of the uh, 2011 Stanley Cup championship run. So you have that too, if you you really. Yeah, it was ten
1: years ago yesterday. We're recording this on the 16th, so it was the 15th. And yep, yep. So I, I do have those memories. But another thing before that I wanted to mention is I met up with a friend of mine over the weekend, someone who I haven't seen in a long time, but we used to be, we still are close friends. I just haven't seen in a long time, but we talked about, and I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but uh, just supporting local businesses and stuff. And I think that some of us are kind of gotten to that point where we're willing to go out in the world a little bit more, grab dinner, grab, grab drinks. And we were talking about how we need to keep that need to remember how we were during, during the worst of COVID, which is like we only ordered takeout from, family-owned businesses or whatever and you know not to pick on a specific big chain but instead of going to a specific big chain try to go to the local coffee shop the local bar the local restaurant stuff like that so definitely yeah because everyone's like i know i've been scrambling to see people that i haven't seen in a while and i'd rather see them at those places than yeah and uh speaking of local uh like family-owned businesses so the beer that i'm drinking i sent joe a picture Earlier, it's warehouse graffiti, which I think fits with the movies or movie that we're watching today, um which is the Warriors are talking about today. And it's from Burley Oak Brewing in Maryland. It's triple IPA, which I didn't know. I was I took a couple sips of it and I was like, "Whoa, this is good!" But it's it's strong, nine point five alcohol, nine point five percent alcohol, but but dangerously good. So check it out if you if you're if you have access to it if you're in the Maryland area or east coast i mean i know most of the local craft beer places around us have this so and it's very good so check it out but um
0: i know i, I the quotes definitely give it away for sure so people definitely know what we're doing for this one
1: <laughs> right you're right and you heard the trailer but so based on those you know two things you can figure out we're we're talking about the 1979 film the warriors it was my pick and i think i've said it quite a few times in the podcast that we get a little too into the 90s which is Natural because we both grew up for the most part in the 90s, but um, so I do my best to try to add some 80s movies and occasionally some 70s movies. We've done a few. This one was available on HBO Max, and I I hadn't seen it in a while, and I thought it would be interesting to rewatch, and it definitely was. It was uh, it was fun to go back. I I hadn't seen this in a while. Well, well, I should go back to you. What was your first memory of the film? Is this your first time seeing it?
0: So my first memory was actually the PS2 game. Um, it was made by Rockstar and the first half of the game serves as a prequel to the movies, while the second half follows the film. And it got all like the original voice actors back who were alive at the time, enterprise their roles and original music. Um, so going through the story of the Warriors, for me, the first one was going through that interactive experience. Before that though, I probably watched it bits and pieces here, but it never really like it was not that would catch my attention when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So this is probably my first time watching it from start to finish, getting the story from the movie and not the game. So it was an interesting experience for sure.
1: (laughs) I'm interested, and I'll tell you why when you give your your rating later, but I'm extra interested to see what your view of this one is. So um, I don't remember my first time seeing this one, but I would guess I was probably like around 15 or 16, Um, but probably similar to you before I watched it for the first time all the way through, I'd seen bits and pieces of it a handful of times, just on TV. It used to be on TV a decent amount. And it's like we said earlier, a total cult classic. And it was one of those ones where if you were at someone's house and they like had the DVD, you had to talk to them about it. Cause it was not, this is one that not all of my friends have seen. Maybe some, of, maybe most of them, but not all of them have seen it. Um, but if, so if someone had the DVD, I had the DVD at one point. I don't anymore. But um, yeah, it was, it was something you had to talk about, a, a conversation piece for sure. Do you have any stats about uh, how it did financially? It did surprisingly well. And there's kind of a story to it. But go ahead.
0: Yeah. Um, so the Warriors came out on February 9th, 1979, had a budget of $4 million, making $22.5 million in the box office. It was written by David Shaber and Walter Hill and directed by Walter Hill, who has had a very successful career in both screenwriting, directing, and even recorded his first album in 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, He's also known as a big part of the Western genre revival. This movie is based on the book called The Warriors by Sol Urich, and I'm not sure what you're going to get into for story-wise, but I think a lot of the reasoning why, this probably could have done better maybe in the box office, but I don't know what you read, but theaters are pulling this movie out because of violence that was occurring in theaters when they were screening this movie. So Paramount was like offering to um, have security and they would pay for it. They would pay for damages, but they're also letting theaters pull their contracts that they want to to not air this movie at their theaters to avoid all the just problems. So I'm sure this could have done a little bit better maybe, but a lot of the violence surrounding it and actual attacks in the theaters kind of prevented that, I think.
1: Yep, no. Yeah, we will get into that a little bit more. Um, as far as how it was received, how it's remembered critically, it's a 7.6 7. out of 10 on IMDb and 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty high scores. Yeah, um, Ebert, kind of middle of the road, he gave it two stars. And here's a quote from his review. The Warriors is a real peculiarity. A movie about street gang warfare written and directed as an exercise in mannerism. There's hardly a moment where we believe that the movie's gangs are real or that their members are real people or that they inhabit a real city. That's where the peculiarity comes in. I don't think we're supposed to. No matter what impressions the ad give, this isn't isn't even remotely intended as an action film. It's a set piece. It's a ballet of stylized male violence. And you had mentioned when you were talking uh, earlier about the director that that, uh, Walter Hill was you know, he did, he had a lot of work in Westerns. Did you, I watching this, I could see that, like, especially in some of the conversations and the dialogue it, it had, it gave like a Western vibe. Definitely. So some other things are going on. So you said it came out in February of 79. Yes. Um, some other things are going on in February of 79. And I have to mention this weird fact that you kind of touched on was talking about the finances because it was part of the news as well the fall so it came out first weekend did very well this following weekend the film was linked to sporadic outbreaks of vandalism and three killings two in southern california and one actually in boston so involving moviegoers either on their way to or on their way home from from showings and there's different theories on why that happened but one thing that it one theory or one reason not even a theory i think it's proven in some cases is this movie attracted a lot of gang members because it was kind of like you know if you do if you release a boxing movie or a hockey movie a lot of the kids that go to see it are going to be boxing boxers or or, or hockey players and this there was kind of gang members are related to this and you know if you have gang one that walks in and gang two that walks in and they all get revved up because they can't watch stuff like this without getting revved up you know, yep. bad things can happen. So, like you said, Paramount removed advertising, advertisements from radio and TV, and a few other places due to safety concerns. Theater owners were uh, relieved of their contractual obligations if they didn't want to air it. So, it, it definitely hit them in the wallet. and And Hill later reflected, he said, "quote I think the reason why there were so many violent incidents is a real, very, is really very simple. This movie is was very popular with the street gangs, especially young men." a lot of whom had very strong feelings about each other. And suddenly they all went to the movies together. They looked across the aisle and there were the guys that they didn't like. So there was a lot of incidents. And also the movie itself is rambunctious. I certainly would, I, I would certainly say that. So yeah, it kind of caused a perfect storm situation. And then other movies that came out that month, not a lot of great ones. So Agatha with uh, Dustin Hoffman came out the same day. And also The Great Train Robbery with uh, Sean Connery and Donald Sutherland. And then Quintet with Paul Newman. But not really. This movie financially did better than most, if not all, that month. So kudos to to the Warriors. Outside of theaters, huge month. So Ayatollah Khomeini returned to Iran after 15 years in exile. YMCA, the song, peaked at number two on the pop chart. The Twins traded Rod Crew to the Angels. Pink Floyd premieres the live version of The Wall in Los Angeles. And then here's the the big one. You Well, actually, I'll give one that's the real big one first. Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart, peaked at number one, the song. But the real uh, interesting fact to me that I knew, but as someone who was born six years after this movie came out, the US and the USSR both tested nuclear weapons. So the yes. tension, yeah, <laughs> right. Like I, I mean, we have real, we have stuff that's you know worth getting nervous about in the world today. And I hope that we'll never have that again in our life. Although I don't know, but um, that must have been so stressful. I talked to yeah. my my parents about that a while ago, and they're like, "Yeah, it was not not a good time." So, um, do you have anything down for the back of the DVD, back of the VHS summary for this one? It's a simple one. Uh, a turf
0: war between New York City street gangs that rages from Coney Island to the Bronx. The warriors are mistakenly fingered for the killing of a gang leader. Soon they have every gang in the city out to get revenge and they must make their way across the city to their own
1: turf. That's a good one. And, and like you said earlier, it's based on a book, which, but we're going to, I have in my random facts later kind of what the book was based on. And, oh, cool. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But before we get to that, um how were some cast members and everyone going into the movie this is a weird one because not many cast members really went on to do a ton there's one that we'll talk about a little bit or a couple but so let's start with the director walter hill and you mentioned this a little bit earlier but he also directed hard times in 1975 with charles bronson the driver in 78 which i haven't seen personally but i read on a few articles that that was actually his what people say is his best work 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Eddie Murphy, which I have seen and I do love. Another 48 Hours, the sequel. Red Heat with Arnold and Belushi. Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor and John Candy. Last Man Standing with Bruce Willis, which is a total guilty pleasure of mine. I watched that on TNT and whatever a million times growing up. Another guilty pleasure of mine that I saw in theaters was Undisputed, the prison bare knuckle boxing. I have never seen that movie. I know it is. I've never seen it saw that with Adam in theaters, I remember. Yep. Um, so yeah, he, he, is, he has a pretty good resume. Um, and like you said, he's a musician apparently as well. So good for him, well-rounded. Um, cast members worth mentioning. So Michael Beck, who plays Swan, kind of the main character, I guess. He also played Sonny Malone and Xanadu the following year. Uh, James Remar, who played Ajax, Boston boy, probably had the most successful career among the cast. Um, he was also in 48 Hours, Miracle on 34th Street, sex in the city dexter he had a decent amount of voice work as well so solid career um from james remar definitely i think unless i'm missing someone no i think you're right yeah and then i'm going to skip over there were some other cast members who you know did some other work but i wanted to mention two cast members that i think were i wish we saw more of them in the film and just in general like they these two guys didn't have much of a career outside of this either and It's kind of a shame because they were, in my opinion, super charismatic. So Dorsey Wright, who played Cleon, the initial warlord of the Warriors before uh, shit hit the fan. And if you've seen the director's cut and you can find this clip online, there's a little bit more footage of before the rally, like them planning for the rally and picking who the nine guys were going to be that went to the rally. And if you can find that, it it makes you understand a little bit more why I liked him. But he just was awesome. He seemed like a leader. And I mean, I guess I kind of like it that spoiler alert, you find out like within 10 minutes of being in the movie that it's not going to be a good day for Cleon. But it still bums me out that he got, you know, blamed for the assassination of Cyrus and then beaten to death in the park. So um, he was also in a ragtime in ragtime as a gang member, and he was in the Hotel New Hampshire. He does voiceovers for the New York Transit Authority. That's about it. So not a huge career for uh, Dorsey Wright, a.k.a. Cleon. And then the late Roger Hill, who played Cyrus. Cyrus, well, Roger Hill playing Cyrus can command a crowd. Um, He was in education of Sonny Carson in 74, and then he had some daytime soap work on on, uh, One Life to Live. He was actually chosen to play Cyrus after the original actor chosen for the part, who was a real-life gang member. Mysteriously disappeared oh, wow. before filming. So that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool random fact. So some other, but yeah, I liked. I liked those two guys a lot, it bummed me out that yeah they were they were in the film for not a long time. So some other random facts. Um, and this is what I was talking about when I was mentioning the book earlier. So it's based on a book, like you said, but the book and the film also are based in part on the ancient Greek book anabasis if i'm pronouncing that correctly by xenophon the character of cyrus in the film is based on the greek general cyrus the younger who enlisted mercenaries to usurp the throne of persia around 401 bc in the film the warriors get trapped behind enemy lines just like the greeks did uh this inspirational storyline is explained on the short animated prologue featured in the director's cut so i kind of like that it has a uh uh historical you know basis so yeah some other random ones they did film this in New York City and I think that's pretty clear that it's not it's and it's grimy New York City this is and a different, right. this is,
0: right. this is, I know, New York that I never experienced, I never
1: experienced thankfully you know what I think is a turning point for me I, I didn't write this down but uh, the last movie that I know of I'm sure there's another one that people can you know message us about but the, the movie where it came out in our lifetime in New York City still grimy. And then there was like, it switched a little bit after that is Ninja Turtles one. Oh, yeah. Like where they're just like, yes. all, the, the city's just like sweaty and gross. and Like, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So anyway, they used partially because of lack of budget, but they'll probably say they were trying to be realistic. They used some New York gangs and gang members to be in the, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then some were unhappy for one reason or another. And there was some equipment damaged. Uh, things stolen, and then they hired other gangs to protect like equipment sets, whatever. So yeah, this this movie was
0: it's always the real deal.
1: Yeah, it was. They, <laughs> they got they got down and, and dirty in this one. So, um, Walter Hill, the director we mentioned, he created the Baseball Furies, which I can't remember if he said on air or before we started recording. Uh, your before. view on the Baseball Furies? They are embarrassing. <laughs> well, he created the Baseball Furies based on his love for Kiss and the game of baseball so okay. those two things he did a pretty good job because you looking once you know that and you look at the guys you're like all right <laughs> i see it uh deborah van valkenberg who played mercy the really the only girl well the only like main character girl yeah. in the film uh sustained two major injuries that were captured on screen in one shot michael beck accidentally hit deborah in the face with a baseball bat like, how, I know. how do you do that? So she needed stitches from that. And then during the subway scene, she was accidentally dropped on the floor by a stuntman, resulting in a broken wrist. And if you look closely after that, there, there's a certain spot in the film where after this spot, she always has a black jacket on and it was to hide the cast on her arm because she legit that's, broke her
0: wrist. That's right. She had hold on for the second half of the film. Yep, yep. That's interesting.
1: Yep. So um, in and one more thing is if you notice that there's two characters that played a character of Fox. And supposedly the reason for that is Timothy Waits, who was the original guy, became... He was just a pain in the ass to work with. Uh, I guess he reportedly left the set to get high a bunch. And Hill and stunt coordinator Craig Baxley decided to fire him um, because they just didn't want to deal with it anymore. I don't know if I said his name. Thomas G. Waits was the actor's name. Um, They decided to fire him, but they opted... They so they killed the character with the train. Yes, and then they fired him before they did it. So they had some guy who was just on the set who kind of looked like. And him.
0: I noticed they never. I was wondering because I was trying to figure out like, I'm like, who? Which character is this now? They never showed that person's face getting tossed <clears throat> over. They always a good job hiding that. Like they're on the ground rolling around, and I was like, yep. now that's now I know why they never showed the face.
1: Yep, yep, because they were like, this guy sucks. Get him off my set. <laughs> but that that's it. That's all I had for random facts. Did you have anything? anything I have down? a couple others that you to mention. Sure. So
0: I I had the one that you mentioned, how Michael back a chunk out of uh Deborah's face with a baseball bat. Nope. Yep. President Ronald Reagan was a fan of the film, even calling the film's lead actor, Michael Beck, to tell him he had screened it at Camp David and enjoyed it. And probably one of the most famous lines. I knew this one before, like for the game of the movie. Um, David Patrick Kelly improvised Luther's come out to play a taunt, basing it on an intimidating neighbor of his.
1: So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That that that's pretty cool that you can do something like that and just wing it and it, like you said that's that's the line if you if you yeah. i was actually i was talking to my barber about this tonight i was like oh yeah we're the movie uh warriors and he that's the first thing he said he's like warriors come out yeah yeah <laughs> he did that did he look not in general i don't know because he's been in a bunch of other movies but in this movie, he looked like he could have been like Sean Penn.
0: Dude, not even kidding. I thought he looked like a coked out Sean Penn.
1: Yes. Like he, <laughs> like that, was
0: yeah. my, that was my mind the entire time.
1: Yes. He looked like if Sean Penn had like a less successful, goofy looking brother, like <laughs> Don Penn, that would, this, would be, this would be him. No offense. No, he was dude, really gosh, good. I wish,
0: he, I wish he got more screen time. He and was he's like had, an actual intimidating like
1: villain. And he's had quite the career too. He was also in 48 Hours. He was in Malcolm X. He was in Crooklyn. He was in uh, Last Man Standing, my, my Guilty Pleasure. He was in Capex, uh, Flags of Our Fathers, The Longest Yard, The Newer One, John Wick. He's had, he's had probably a better career than anyone else. So yeah. good for him. Um, we're probably going to agree on this one, but what did you have down for stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment, not in this millennium? They used a lot
0: of the gring, demeaning, homophobic terms quite yep. often in the film and the way they treat women aggressively is also very bad
1: a lot of it was a character of ajax like none of them were none of them right. were right it, it was it Ajax was, was particularly yes. particularly bad
0: and maybe, maybe maybe that's maybe that's the character itself so maybe like this looking to into this is just he's a shitty human being we know that so
1: yeah i agree with that and here's the other thing too is One thing I try to keep in mind is they are supposed to be gangsters, right? Like like supposed to be like total troublemaking shitheads. So it's not like it's a school teacher using those words. It still sucks, but. um, And then the other thing is Ajax. Totally, he was. That is his whole character. Is he's as rough around the edges as you're gonna get, but he's tough as you know. He has his. There are good things about him too, where, like, if you're trying to fight your way across the city, he's the dude you want next to. You. Cause he, yeah. he was, you could tell he was one of the baddest guys. Oh, for sure. Series. He was the so, toughest. He's the toughest in the
0: group. Not a leader by any means, but the toughest. No,
1: no exactly. Exactly. And there's a, there's a, um, there's a, that deleted scene I was talking about earlier that shows a little bit more of Cleon and, and why I, why I like him. They actually show, when they're talking to the whole crew of the warriors and explaining why they pick these nine. And he, he questions even Cleon. He, he, he's just like, he doesn't listen. He's, he's a wild card. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. a total psycho, but um, like we said, he's who you want next to you. Uh, if you're going to get a fight with a bunch of guys in baseball bats, um, what, what did you have down for your favorite scene? I have that
0: bathroom fight scene was just awesome. Definitely something I could see today, the way it was choreographed and how chaotic it all was. And I think it was done on that budget in the late 70s is just awesome. And um, I love how, and we just see, then that scene specifically, but throughout, we see how Swan's love interest doesn't want to back down and definitely stands her ground multiple times in the movie. Um, That scene being one of the examples. And I also put Michael Becca Swan did a really great job capturing that cool and commonality throughout the film. He was probably my favorite
1: part about the entire movie. Yeah. And he's exactly the opposite of what you said about Ajax where he's, he's confident, but he's like calm and steady. Just like, you know, tough to get, get too high. doesn't really get that low. He is a, he is a future leader or a yeah. leader. Yep. So yeah, I, I agree with you on the bathroom scene. That was by far the best fight scene. Uh, my favorite scene is actually, I know it sounds like lazy, but it's actually Cyrus's speech up until he gets up until he gets shot, of course. He's not in the movie long, but and he, like we said, he didn't have a big career, but he captures you pretty quick. And I noticed even more this time because I was thinking as I was as the movie was opening, it's kind of choppy. Um, and then the minute he starts talking. I kind of bought in. I mean, I've seen this movie I, I, a few times but i bought in and you get an idea of what's going on what the plot is the film kind of finds its legs just by cyrus's speech and it it kind of goes with he's settling the whole crowd down and he settles you down too as a viewer and explains what's going the one question i did have about was when he starts to going like you know there are twenty thousand this and an extra twenty thousand. that i'm like what did you guys take like a gang census how do you how do you have these how do you have these numbers that but whatever i wouldn't question them but um yeah I'm trying that to figure out.
0: that's that's a good point though i wonder like i said this movie in the beginning i really wasn't hooked i really wasn't like you know invested quite yet i'm, I'm trying to think one it might have been and that speech was a big part of it when i started like it went on the run but i think for me it was that train scene when they are getting, like, um, um, the cops are coming, moving in on them. And this is when we have our first death. I think this, that was the moment from, like, when I started being, like, I, I was invested from this point on, from yep. that scene on.
1: Yep. No, that's that's a good one, too. Um, another thing uh, that I, I really liked is this isn't a scene. Well, it's multiple scenes, but is the the radio DJ kind of narrating the whole film. And we see something similar to this in Do the Right Thing. And what I liked about it is it reinforces New York City being its own little world and that like it's this huge city and obviously the rest of the world is paying attention to it. But I like that the DJ makes it feel like there's another world on the inside of New York City that you don't, from the outside, you just don't see it. So I like that touch. And then my favorite scene in a bad way, like it was so bad, it was good, was the end scene, spoiler alert, where the guy tries to shoot Swan, but he steps to the side. He steps to the side with his girlfriend or whatever you want to call her right behind him. And like the other, his boys, somehow the bullet doesn't hit any of them. And then he throws a knife into the guy's forearm and then you see the worst acting performance and of all time. And he's almost like
0: crying in the yeah. movie. I'm like, this guy, man.
1: <laughs> and the other thing, too, is like, not that I've, I can honestly say that I've never thrown a knife at a person, but I don't think a switchblade like that is like the, or is that a stiletto or a switchblade camera? But either way, that sort of knife isn't, that's not easy to throw. The odds of you hitting that and, and <laughs> doing what he did or like one in a billion, but it was so bad. It was entertaining. So um, what did you have down? I know we didn't have a ton of notes, but what did you have down for the the soundtrack?
0: The score was composed by Brian D. Varzon, if I pronounced that correctly, who had most of of his success with film scores in the seventies and eighties. And his last movie being the Exorcist part three in 1990. Um, The score did this job during some of the extra scenes and some of the more slower ones. And only a couple of tracks with lyrics stood out, such as during the end of the film, but the soundtrack overall was was pretty good, I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, the score is pretty classic. And it, it was one that if you, before I rewatched it, if you were like, uh, Eric, what's how does that song from the, how does the score from the Warriors go? I wouldn't have been able to think about it. But as I put the movie on, and the minute it's opening up and you they're talking about, you know, the, everyone, it shows all this clips of different gang members talking about the meeting that cyrus is gonna have and like what it's for and you have that music in the background with all the gangs converging on this one spot with that music with that score in the background i was like it brought me right back i was like all right i remember this this you know it was good so um what about if you could change one thing about warriors what would you change the
0: characters weren't developed very well at all and i really only knew the names of two characters by end in the film maybe that's what they but they're portray- I mean that's how I portray in the book um so that just might be a nitpick from me with all the characters their relationship with each other and with like Swan's love interest for example just they just weren't very good um I didn't believe any of it I also thought the last enough was incredibly anticlimactic this asshole gang set them up and was literally the reason why they were chased and almost killed the entire movie multiple times um and when they finally confronted each-, each other at the end the rival gang gets a knife the rival gang leader gets a knife thrown in his arm. Tries pleading, and then the movie just pretty much ends. I really wanted that one-on-one fight between them. Thankfully, though, the bathroom fight scene makes up for that. And I also put down the baseball furies; they were embarrassing. Give us more <laughs> of Luther and his gang instead. So, yep.
1: the um, the getting to know the characters, I agree with you. And the movie was an hour and a half. You could give me another ten minutes. Yeah. it could have been one more scene including even the one where they explain how they're picking how they how uh they picked the nine that are going that kind of gives you an idea of like all right they're bringing this guy because he's like the scout they're bringing this guy because he's going to tag he's going to you know graffiti stuff up and tag stuff up e- even that it would in that scene i think that deleted scenes like two minutes it's not long like you could have yeah. kept that and,
0: See, I got, I got, I, I knew about all the backstory because of the game, the game, whether, well, I don't know, where well, they got the information from whether well, it's from like different parts of maybe like the deleted scenes. Cause it was all very much like a fan made thing. Like Rockstar who did the game, yep. they loved the movie, they loved the characters. So maybe they did a little more research, but I know a little bit more because of the prequel part of that game that yep. carries into the movie. But the movie itself though, watching this from start to finish, mm-hmm. like you said, with all the deleted scenes, I didn't get a whole lot of why this group and who are they.
1: Yeah, I don't know, and I could easily look, but I say this in a good way. I don't know where this was in Walter Hill's career. I think it was like his fifth or sixth film. It was yeah. It was- so it it was like I know it was his fifth or sixth, but I wonder how how far in it was as far as actual like real film. Like, you know, how like if you do, if you do one or two movies right out of film school or whatever. Right. One, two, three, four, five. No, this is, yeah, it's like seventh or eighth film, but he doesn't really have anyone bef- before this other than The Driver, which I've heard is good, that really made it. So I say this in a good way. This film to me seemed like I gave it credit for being like a rough college project. Like it seemed like, yeah, you know, he didn't have a lot of money. There are imperfections for sure. It was
0: very raw. So yeah, the very, raw. very raw.
1: Right. So, if I could change one thing, and there aren't many movies where I'm going to say this, because it usually doesn't mean enough for me to mention it, but uh, especially not in the if you could change one thing category, but some of the worst fight choreographed choreograph I've ever seen, and when the whole movie is showdowns between gangs, that's important, and Watching it this time, I figured out that if it was a fist fight for the most part, like the one in the bathroom was mostly a fist fight. Some yeah. of the guys had weapons, but it was they did they did well. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. When it got really bad is when there was weapons involved, particularly a baseball bat. <laughs> During that fight scene in the park, there were like multiple scenes where the attacker tried the same swing like five times in a row. Like if you think of like how you the swing. Wind and, and up. Axe, yeah, <laughs> like big wind up. <laughs> Swing forward, no. Swing forward, no. Swing forward, no. And the guy just blocked it like five times with no, like nothing changes. And then with whatever. So I think either mixing it up, or if it's just not your thing and you don't have the time to choreograph a cool fight scene, have the warrior disarm the guy in the first couple seconds and then just make it a fist fight. Because they yeah. did okay with that sort of thing.
0: But- yeah, this one was really cool. But like, I wonder what this one would have been like if it was mostly a cat mouse chase. Which yeah. be kind of suspenseful in a way that would be kind of a cool take on the film too like like you said not just get rid of some of the, like the weaker fight scenes and have them just being like because a lot of the movies them running because they're outnumbered yep. most of the time
1: yep. yep they're running from the whole city yeah so yeah no that, that'd be interesting too i wouldn't mind that at all um maybe like i mean they do a little bit of that but yeah more of that wouldn't have been a bad a bad thing i like um when they run into the gang that's the orphans and they just (laughs) like so don't respect them and that they're like the JV gang that wasn't invited to the party. That was (laughs) funny. But um, all that said, we've gotten to the point in the podcast we're going to give our score. We rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this film or keep the, the VHS, the DVD? So a score of one is you get through the introduction. You don't even make it to the meeting. You don't even make it to Cyrus's speech. And you turn it off because you're like, this is stupid. All the way up to score five, which is you watch the 90-minute movie. You're willing to watch it a couple more times. Keep it a few extra days so your friends can see it. Maybe even you just buy it from the video store so you don't have to ring it back. So it was my pick. Uh, so Joe's going to give his score. Uh, first, Joe, what? what's your score for the Warriors?
0: I give it a three. So this was my first time watching this movie all the way through. I have memories with the video game growing up. But I respect what this movie was able to capture in 1939 and how stylized the whole thing is. I forgot it had this cool comic book template originally, and some of the costumes and gangs were just wild. I can only imagine how controversial this was when it came out in the 70s. Um, While well, it's a weird film, I started getting more interested in these characters, specifically Swan, as their journey to, the, to their turf progressed. I don't have any ties to this film, really, and seeing it for the first time fully however many years ago and like in pieces, it didn't really sit with me clearly. Watching it again though, it still didn't entirely agree with me, but I found some really cool things on my watch that did stand out. Again, like how it was filmed and how raw the whole thing is. I don't love it as much as some people do, but I definitely respect it.
1: I think that's very fair. I that, That's why the comic book thing that you mentioned is one thing I want to talk about. I forgot. You can definitely see that it's kind of like a comic book, it, not just in the characters, but in how the story works out. Um, and the other thing is the gang members, and this isn't anything I've read, this is just a, a question almost. I wonder if, like, gangs, especially in big cities like New York, and maybe less now, but a lot of gangs were, you know, these are the Italian guys, these are the Irish guys, these are the, you know, Mexican guys, these are the black guys. I wonder if some of the, like the costumes are kind of like a dramatic, an over dramatic, overly dramatic, you know, display of that. Where if you were in the, like in Gangs of New York, in the, that film, they had a similar thing. And it seems crazy because you have these weird names. But if, that time, like different groups all did dress the same and different from each other, so that kind of makes sense. And it fits into the whole comic book thing, but yeah, no, that's a very fair score. It, what you said, I had in my review too that this is a movie. If you watched it as a kid, you have nostalgia for it. And watching it this time, I was trying to imagine having a friend who never saw this watch it for the first time, and I don't think it would go well. So, I think your scores, or it wouldn't go. It's not bad, but it wouldn't go you
0: know. to the close ass that people like, yeah. People like love yes. this movie.
1: <clears throat> right. So that said, I give this film a ton of credit for being different in a in a world today where it seems like everyone just wants to redo the movie that was done last year. This one, he did his own thing. Walter Hill did his own thing and you know, swung for the fences, and it wasn't perfect, but I do have some nostalgia for it. I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. It's different. It's interesting. It's an hour and a half. Super rewatchable. You know, you don't have to invest too much time. So I, I really liked rewatching this one. Not a perfect film at all, but it was fun to watch. So I can't go back and play the game now. <laughs> to, yeah, a, it's been a long time. but um, Before Joe gets into his pick, the beer, Warehouse Graffiti, uh, from... Burley oak brewing was delicious if you can get it near you i definitely recommend it i was trying to see if the brewery was anywhere near baltimore because i was like oh I'll stop by the next time i go down for an Orioles uh, socks game but it's not at all but uh which i it was as far away <clears throat> i didn't think things could be that far away in maryland it's not that big <laughs> it's not that big <laughs> of a state i was like it has to be kind of close but it's not so but i still might try to fit it anyways because it's, it's it looks like it's in a beautiful part of maryland and the beer is great so um Follow us on Instagram worth the late fee suggestions are always welcome. Um, And again, on Instagram, it's worth a late fee. We'll be back next week and it's Joe's pick. So, and Joe hasn't told me, he almost told me before we started recording, but Joe, what are we watching and talking about next week? I
0: want to get the the live reaction from Eric here. By the time we record this and out, it'll be the first, it'll be summer officially. So I am choosing
1: chill factor.
0: It's been a long wow. time coming. It's been, we've been talking about this forever. Chill Factor, here it yeah. is. <laughs>
1: All right, I'm happy about this. Yeah, Joe, give, give the story. But yeah, give give a little info on why. People are like, why are they talking about Chill Factor right now?
0: Before we even started this podcast, we would always like, as you know, if you've heard in previous episodes, we would just go to our local restaurant, uh, The Tap. We would have a beer, talk about movies. This was like our thing before the podcast existed. And we always brought up Chill Factor. It's a movie that, like, people just forgot about, but for whatever reason, Eric's seen it, I've seen it, and we both just, well, I think, I'm pretty sure Eric does as well, but I love this movie, so it's, it's fun. Like, it'll be fun, again, talking about Chill Factor more in-depth than what we did in the past, but this is a film that, that I think just like, has forgotten about, and any little reference I can find someplace, like, at Chunky's, they actually have in their menu um, an item called The Chili Factor. Little things like that that remind you that this film exists, that's why I want to do this podcast in this episode because I want to, I want to bring, bring it out to, you know, a wider audience of our 200 followers.
1: I don't, I don't have any doubt that I'm going to enjoy rewatching chill factor. I will say I'm slightly less. I haven't watched chill Factors since in a long time. I'm I've slightly less three months ago. <laughs> I'm slightly less confident that it's going to be, as great of a movie it <laughs> <But> is awesome <laughs> I, i'm gonna i'm gonna love rewatching it so that, that's that's a good pick so all right guys we'll be back next week with uh with chill factor thank you for listening
0: yes as always guys thank you